Welcome into the first ever edition of Raised Colored Podcast. I'm your host, Ryland Styles, and with me, my co-host, Austin Ryman. And Austin, how are you doing today? Pretty, doing pretty good. How about yourself, Ryland? I'm pretty good. I'm pretty good. And so, you know, this is the first ever edition of the Raised Colored Podcast on RaisedColoredGlasses.com as a part of the Fan Sided Network. Austin, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, so I'm a uh, freshman uh, college pitcher at a junior college in the Chicago area. I've been a Rays fan uh, ever since I can remember. I went to their World Series games in 2008, went to the clinching game. So just lifelong Rays fan. So happy to be at Rays Colored Glasses. I started in October, and it's been a thrill. So what about you? I started at Race Color Glasses in uh, late December, pretty much January. Uh, I'm also a sophomore in college and uh, just a journalism major as well. Uh, you know, that's pretty much it, just doing this with Race Color Glasses. I'm also the uh, sports information assistant at my university. Austin, if you had to compare yourself to one baseball player, who would it be? Oh, um, that's tough. I don't throw that hard, so I guess almost like a Yarborough type of guy, just crafty. <laughs> so... <laughs> Whenever I played, my comparison would be someone that I don't think a lot of people listening to this show would know, but Billy Butler is someone who I compare to in more ways than one uh, as a baseball player. But, uh, you know, again, thank you for listening. This is going to be a, a bumpy start, hopefully not too bumpy, though, as it's the first time we've ever even talked, but uh, more or less even done a, a podcast together. But we're excited about it. We hope that you guys are excited as well. Again, this show is just going to be about the Rays, everything from from coaching moves to player moves to, to wins and losses, just all about the Rays. And then also, of course, just how big moves around baseball can affect the Rays, hence the name Rays Colored Podcast. We're going to look at things with our Rays Colored Glasses on in Austin. Why don't you start us off with our first topic today? Yeah, so one of the major major off-season developments was when Mark Tompkin broke that Kevin Cash was going to be extended through the 2024 season. Um, I thought this was super, just really well-deserved. Talk about what do you think it means going forward for Rays fans and really the Rays in general. Yeah, I think what you said is right. It's it's very well-deserved. You think about how far uh, Kevin has come. When he first got hired from the as an Indians bullpen coach, you know, just got hired over for the race manager job. Everyone's like, "Who's this guy? Uh, what's he all about?" Uh, you know, they all figured, "Oh, he's got a year or two in him, and they're going to find someone else." Uh, but he's proven to be the guy and one of the best managers in baseball. And I think that this extension really shows him that this front office has faith in him, and they have faith in all these sort of wacky uh, experiments he pulls off and. Uh, like we were talking about, I think that it, it also just shows their their understanding of, okay, you have to take a risk, and, and those risks might not pay off. Eventually, one of these experiments that Brian Kenny and Kevin Cash love, and that I love as well, just you know, just trying to find the edge any way you can, one of these times it's not going to work. The opener worked. It, it very easily could have not worked. Absolutely. And that's the difference in having a 91 ball club and a 71 ball club. And this extension shows that the race front office is ready for whatever Kevin Cash tries next, and if it fails, they're going to learn from it, and they're going to continue to have faith in him, and they're going to work around whatever failures happen as well. Yeah, I couldn't agree more with everything you just said there. And uh, I think another thing, aside from Kevin Cash, but still managerial-wise, uh, Rocco Baldelli and Charlie Montoyo both were hired as managers, uh, one in the division with Charlie going to Toronto, and then Baldelli, a longtime raised player, and then field coordinator, he goes to Minnesota. So we will see both of them in the coming uh, seasons a lot. We'll see Montoya more than Baldelli, but still I think 
in Minnesota, you could see the opener being used. Um, they have some pitching depth issues, so that'll be interesting to watch. And um, I think you talked about uh, Montoya and the Blue Jays, and what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, you know, I think that you know Charlie's press conference in in the winter meetings was what stood out to me the most from this offseason in terms of of coaching changes around the league. You know, he got asked if he was going to uh, adopt the opener strategy, and he said that he'd like to, but it's up to you know the front office to get him the guys that can fit as an opener. Uh, it, it sounds simple, throw a guy out there for one inning, but they have to be the right guy to throw out there for one inning. And I think that a lot of front offices want what Kevin Cash has. They, they want that kind of innovation. You see it in football as well with just every NFL team wanting what Sean McVay has of the Rams, just the, the young coach that's going to take a risk. But in order to get that, you have to surround uh, Montorio with, with the guys that he needs, and, and you have to buy into his system totally, not just say, okay, we'll make it work. Because as simple as a strategy sounds in theory, just throw a guy out there for one inning uh, and, and save your arm. As simple as that sounds, it also, like we, like we mentioned, takes a quality guy and the right guy both mentally and physically. Yeah, and if we're sticking with coaching, then we can talk about uh, Matt Quattro moves now to the bench coach and assumes Charlie Montoya's role. Um, and then they raised, went out and hired Rodney Linares as the new third base coach to fill in Quattro's role. Um, and I like that hire a lot. He's a really important piece in Bregman's and Correa's and Altuve's development over there in Houston. Really widely respected throughout the organization. I think when I read the article about him, he had been coaching for, I think, 24, 25 years in the organization. So a really respected guy. I heard he broke down crying when the Rays hired him for his first major league role. Um, so I think it'll be really interesting to see how he works with Adamus in the future, Brandon Lau, and then especially Wander Franco when he starts getting those uh, spring training invites. So I think it'll be really crucial addition to this uh, coaching roster going forward. Yeah, I, I think that he's a baseball lifer and he deserves this opportunity. You know, just watching him work a little bit on the field. Uh, you know, of course, the Astros had their AAA team in Oklahoma City uh, a few years ago. So, you know, going to those games and, and being able to see him at work, you could really tell. He kind of reminded me a lot of Ron Washington, how good he was at getting infielders ready to go, uh, getting them the practice that they need, getting them the the wherewithal that they need and, and experience and, and just teaching them the way Washington could. Uh, it, he reminds me a lot of him. And I think that this is going to be his big chance. And I think he's going to take advantage of it. Um, another coaching move that the Rays went with is sort of an innovative one is hiring a process and analytics coach. This was internal. They pretty much promoted Jonathan Ehrlichman, who is the director of analytics for the Rays, to this new process and analytics coaching role. I think he'll have a uniform. Supposedly, he will be in the dugout uh, really talking with players about stats. No, the uniform's yeah, big. the uniform is big. Um, <laughs> I'd take the promotion yeah, just for the uniform. They tried this in spring training. I think it was it was either last year or two years ago, um, and the players were fine with it. So I think they've really been toying with this idea, and they finally decided to pull the trigger. So it'll be interesting to see how really the impact that he has on the day-to-day level. Um, I think overall in the grand scheme of things, he has a lot. He has a pretty large hand in the numbers game that the Rays play. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how he changes now on the field. So I'm excited to see it. I don't have anything against it. What about you? Yeah, I think I'm just excited to, to see what, what happens now, what happens next, uh, and to kind of learn more about 
his role and just learn more about what he does day to day. I'm sure that there's going to be an article from the athletic or from the Tampa Bay times of just in, in June or in July of, of what goes into a day in his life, you know, as a, as a process and analytics coach, hopefully he doesn't break out the Apple watch, which got the Red Sox in trouble yeah. last year. But other than that, I, I have no problem yeah, with it. No. Um, then moving on from really coaching hires and departures, let's talk about there's another big news out of the off season was the, Really, the first big trade of this offseason was Malik Smith going to Seattle again and Mike Zanino coming back. Um, what are your thoughts on this trade? I love it, personally. Uh, what about you? Uh, you know, I love the trade on the field. You know, Malik Smith mm-hmm. is a is a quality baseball player, and really he was my favorite player to watch. Uh, him and Blake Snell last year are my two favorites to watch. And, you know, from that standpoint, it sucks to see him go. But you know this trade just makes a lot of sense, and and the Rays have shown you uh, that the front office is going to act uh, from a baseball standpoint, not an emotional standpoint, which I yeah. love. I love that about the Rays. It's the worst thing to have in sports, in any sport, is a front office who cares more about the emotional side than the than the yes. bottom line. And the bottom line is it's it's still a business, and you know you see you know front offices like the Royals who just throw money at guys who aren't worth it just because they've been in Kansas City a long time. That's the worst thing to happen, and that sets your franchise back back so much. And, yeah, you moved a fan favorite, and, yeah, I didn't like to see uh, Malik Smith. I almost called him Malik Smith. I didn't like to see Malik Smith move. But at the end of the day, this was a very good baseball decision. Yeah, it alleviates decision. the long jam in the outfield. You go from having you know, Kevin Kiermeyer and Pham and Meadows and Malik Smith to really just having three core outfielders, and then they also got back the Guillermo Heredia in the deal. He could fill in as a fourth outfielder. He might have some competition in spring training with Joe McCarthy, but I like giving Meadows an everyday chance. I think he has more power potential than Malik, something that the Rays lacked last year. Um, so we'll see. I like I like the outfield right now, how it's shaping up KK, Pham, and uh, Austin Meadows, and then obviously Heredia playing that fourth outfield role. So the Rays could afford to lose Malik Smith. I think he led the team besides uh, Blake Snell in war. I think maybe Joey Wendell might have been ahead of yeah. them, so, but they could afford to lose him. Usually you can't lose that much value, but they could afford it. So I'm okay with it. Um, they also got back Michael Plassmeyer uh, in return. Really looks like a, uh, a really good uh, Ryan Yarbrough comparison. So we could see him pretty soon. He was really dominant in high A uh, after he was drafted this season out of Missouri. So... That could be an interesting piece, too, down the road. So uh, the next move was moving Che Wei to Cleveland. You said it best when we were talking about it. It's just you really don't have too many feelings about this trade. The Rays had the pen depth. They can move Hugh. Uh, Cleveland obviously wanted him. They tried to get him once before. And in return, they got Gianti Turner. He's younger than me, actually. Uh, really, really raw. He stood out. Um, from what I read, he stood out among his uh, peers in the Arizona League. But super fast, but just super raw. So we might not see him at all. We could see him, but it could be in five years. So just really just trading Hugh away to create that 40-man roster space and getting a piece where they cross their fingers for the future. Yeah, I just I just don't think this move is anything to get worked up about, good or bad. I mean, whatever Turner can give is is going to you know be you know just cherry on top. Uh, you know, we don't really expect much from him. Honestly, I didn't expect much from Hughes, yeah. so <laughs> it was just kind of a wash for me. Uh, you know, good for Cleveland. They got the, the guy that they've wanted to get for a while, and we'll see how it all plays out. Mm-hmm. And then the uh, the really big trade that shocked a lot of Rays fans was that Yandy Diaz and Jake Bowers 
trade. I think four first basemen total were on the move with Carlos Santana and Edwin Encarnacion. Uh, what were your thoughts on that initially? When when you first get that Twitter notification from Mark and, and you just see Jake Bowers traded, you, you kind of just <laughs> yeah. throw your hands up and go, oh, here we go again. Hey, Jake Bowers is traded. We've been waiting so long for this guy. He finally came up. He played well at the start. Uh, you know, uh, after he got called up initially, he played well, and now he's gone. Uh, so emotionally, again, going back to that, emotionally, it was like, wow, you know, Jake Bowers is gone. I was, I was really looking forward to seeing him. I was, li- I was really counting on him to be a part of this team. But when you take a step back, Yanni Diaz and, and Jake Bowers kind of cancel each other out, and you have, you know, you, you said it best, so I'll let you take the floor here, of just, you know, they're, they're two of the same pretty much. Yeah, I think you get the same amount of control, which I like. Uh, with Diaz, if you look minor league-wise, yeah, he's, I think he's almost four years older than Bowers, but minor leagues at every single level, he hit better. Not for as much power, but he did hit better overall. So the Rays like that. They value that. Um, I think Bowers, he came up, he was light tower Bowers. He really, really uh, showed what he could do. And then he struggled down the stretch. And I think, I'm not sure if the Rays exactly lost faith in him, but they also have Nate Lau knocking on the door. And again, with like with the Hugh trade and the Malik trade, they could afford to move Bowers in this case. Um, and they've even they could afford to lose Crone too when they DFA'd him. So I'm okay with it. If Yandi can run into some power, um, I think he's a bit more versatile than Bowers. He can play third. He can play the outfield in a pinch. He can play first. At this point, he might open as a first baseman. So I'm okay with the trade, especially since Nate Lau is only really a couple months away. Yeah, I, I think that everything you said is right. And again, just praising the front office i can't praise them enough for just doing what might not seem popular to the, to the common race fan but just just being cutthroat because in the end this is a business and and you are just trying to put your position yourself in the best position to win and i think that they've done that you know i think that they've really done that despite what chris russo will scream about on mlb <laughs> network despite what fans will say i, I think they've, they've they've all been doing the yeah. right things and that's what got us to the 91s that, that they had last year and I was, I was pretty happy they didn't bite the bullet on trading for Edwin Encarnacion or Carlos Santana. There's just too much money there to swallow and not enough upside, in my opinion. EE is trending down, and uh, Santana's, you know what you're going to get with him, and it's just not worth the $20 million you have to pay. So um, I think maybe down the road, yeah, if for Seattle sure. wants to swallow enough money, then maybe we could see EE in a raise uniform. But if they don't swallow enough money, there's no reason to bite the bullet. So, yeah. Yeah, and you know, I think that, that kind of covers the the trade portion of the offseason. Real quick, I wanted to ask you uh, a surprise question here. Uh, you mentioned Tommy Pham earlier. Whenever you're talking about the offense, you know, the uh, outfield, uh, and and all that goes into the Malik Smith trade, what did you think about his comments to MB Network Radio about you know the the Rays have no fan base and he misses playing in front of all the Seattle, uh, all the St. Louis fans, etc. Yes, I know you wrote about this. I didn't write about this, but. I don't have as much of a popular opinion, I think, as you do, but I was okay with it. He didn't say anything wrong. It was, it was all obvious. Uh, it, sometimes it needed to be said. Some some of the arguments were that he wasn't seasoned enough in a raised uniform to, to go out and say those things, but someone has to say it. I think he has a veteran presence in that locker room, and at that point he thinks maybe that he needs to be the one to say something like that. Um, I, I'm sure it is tough going from playing in front of 40,000 to 15,000. But he didn't have any control over that. Uh, 
And when the Rays were good, you know, they averaged 22 to 24,000 a game. So if we can see a return to that, it'll be interesting to see uh, what he thinks. But also in that same interview, he praised the front office um, for doing the right moves, putting them in a position to win. So it was just the media taking what they want and putting out there for some little off-season baseball news. But I was okay with it. Uh, he's going to... You gotta get these clicks, Austin. You yeah. gotta get these clicks. Mm-hmm. It's Ju- it's July. I mean, not July. Excuse yeah. me. It's January. You gotta get these clicks, man. I mean, he played for us for I think it was just about <laughs> over thirty games, and he was obviously the best player on the field at all times, um, and he will be again this year. Uh, he's gonna put up uh, projecting a pretty good. Yeah, year. Except for Nora Blake Snell. So yeah, um, yeah, yeah, unless Blake Snell's in the bump. But <laughs> I mean, you're looking at if you can do what he did in 2017, which was, or yeah, I think it was 2017. Just really big numbers. I think it was a top top 15 MVP season over there with St. Louis. Just 20 home runs, hit 300. It, he's the best right-handed hitter we have, and if he stays healthy, he'll be at the uh, heart of the lineup. And another thing, too, is it's not like, I mean, he hit, he was fantastic for us down the stretch, and he wasn't happy enough with it, and he went down to Venezuela to play in the Winter League. So, I mean, the guy, the guy grinds, and that's what you want in your team. So, I mean, what were your thoughts on it? Yeah, 2017, he was 11th MVP voting, and uh, you know he hit for a 306 average with a 411 OBP. And uh, let's see, you know, just a, a 23 home run season. He was really good in 2017. If they can get that production in Tampa, uh, yeah. they'll be pretty happy. Uh, but I'm glad that you took the position you did. That way, I can on the first episode I can swoop in and be the people's champ because I absolutely hated his comments. You know. What you said was correct, What and what he said was correct. It was a factual statement. The raise attendance is dreadful. But what is there to gain from this? If he comes out and says it's a terrible attendance, uh, attendance stadium, which it is, is that going to drive somebody to go, okay, Tommy, you know what? I'll show you. Now I'm going to pay my money to Tampa Bay, and now I'm going to go sit in that stadium because you called me on it. No, he's, that's not going to happen. Maybe if Evan Longoria was saying this, it would happen. But no one gives a damn about Tommy yeah. Pham. Okay, I, I, no one cares. And, and whenever I'd be interested to see the the attendance split from whenever before he got there to after he got there, because the winning coincides mm-hmm. with that. And like you said, if they win, the fans will come. And that's the same yeah. in any at any venue that's not Fenway, Wrigley Field, or Yankee Stadium. It's the same way. Maybe AT and T Park, uh, but win the damn games and yeah. you'll get fans and in happened, the stands. And, and he and, happened to get there. If I can jump in, he happened to get there the same year that they traded away Longo and Dickerson and Odorizzi and Souza. So it was a rough year, a rough offseason yeah. for Rays fans the prior yeah, year. Th- and th- they, yeah. So if you go into a season optimistically, which I think this, this, these fan base, this fan base is, I think we'll be okay. I don't think um, – you said – you made a good point. It's not going to make people go to the games. I don't think it will stop people from going to the games either. So we'll see. Yeah, I don't think I think that the fans that go to the games are the fans that go to the games. They don't, they don't need you to tell them to go to the games. They don't need you to tell you tell you not to go to the games. They're going to go. Yeah. And I think that you know, just it was unnecessary. What are you going to gain yeah. from this? What and on, what you said was a good point too. This off season is unlike any other, at least from my experience. The Rays have momentum. They have intrigue people are salivating for raise content and raise spring training the games that don't even count they're excited for it go back to last offseason chris russo who you know agree with him or disagree with him is an icon and is a guy who's 
you know, whose baseball opinions are taken for God was saying that they were purposely trying to lose. They're an embarrassment. They shouldn't be in major league baseball. That's how low this team was a year ago at this time. He was saying how fans should never attend games because they're just trading away Longoria. They're trading away Dickerson. They're trading away Morrison. They're trading away all these guys and they're just embarrassing themselves like the Marlins. He was saying that they should go back to Montreal. They should fold as a franchise. You came in that year and and in one year's time, we went from that to fans begging for baseball to come back, longing for baseball and wanting to get out of there and wanting to watch this team. That's a huge turnaround. So maybe just sit down and, and be quiet and sit this one out. And I, and I know you miss St. Louis because everyone, everyone would, would. would miss St. Louis. Yeah. If I could choose as a Rays fan where to play, I'm picking yeah. St. Louis. That's pretty and damn cool. Totally, like I've been to St. Louis, and it's just totally different. It's a... It is a 100%. It is a baseball city, and it's just the surrounding area is different, and it's just they couldn't keep an NFL exactly, team because they love exactly, baseball so much. Totally what different. other city could yeah, do it's that? It's totally different. So is Chicago picking the Cubs or the Bears? That's the closest one you got. <laughs> Boston's picking the Patriots. Yeah. New York's picking maybe the Yankees, but I think they're picking the Giants or the Jets. Mm-hmm. They they could not support. An NFL team, but they, but yet they, they can come out in droves for baseball. They just love baseball down there and, and up there, and that's just the way it is. But you know, again, this was just so unnecessary. And if you would have left it at, I miss St. Louis, I miss those fans. Okay, I get it. You've spent your whole career there. I'm sure you've gotten bonds with people who go there because people in St. Louis, like we said, go to every game. Yeah. Okay, like Raider you know who that a St. Louis Cardinals game. There's, there's a, yeah, there's a few yeah. tourists that go there just to check it out. But those fans are pretty much the same fans in Section 101 from Game 1 to 162. Yeah. So you kind of, I can see where you can get a bond with them. It's kind of like if you, if you see season ticket holders at, at minor league games, they know every player, and every player knows them. That's the kind, of, the, the kind of family feel the Cardinals have. So, yeah, it's awesome to play there. But to say that the Rays have no fan base yeah. was just yeah, stupid. Yeah, could it have been less? It, it's not accomplishing it anything. It could have been less blunt. And that was, he definitely could have, about, could have gone about it a different way, but... I mean, I'm not going to lose any sleep over. I don't think any fans are either, except for the fans that probably aren't going to the games to begin with. So, <laughs> so we'll see. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, you shouldn't boo him no, in game one. Think, he didn't he say anything terrible like that. So. He won't be booed. No. And you shouldn't no. boo him. You shouldn't hate him. But, again, we talked about how it's a business from the front office. It's also a business on the player side. To, to say this about your paying customers mm-hmm. – it's kind of weird. I mean, it's kind of just strange. I mean, and, and, and you know, there was a few comments like, oh, well, we pay your salary. No, you don't. No, you don't. Fans, don't, don't. The fans don't have any factor in the player's salary at all. If, if the Rays pulled in zero fans, they could still pay the players. They could still have a front off. They could still have a major yeah. league team. Don't get full of yourself. But, you know, it, it is better to have fan support than not to have fan support. And to even alienate a one percent of your fan base is is kind of just stupid from a dis, from a business standpoint, in my opinion. You know, the biggest thing I had a problem with was just the fact that he said they have no fan Were base. Surprised? That, that was just a, that was just the dumbest Were you part. Surprised that the Rays didn't demand an apology or anything. I was I was happy they just sat back and let it just let it go away. But were you surprised? Um, no, I think that the Rays front office is smart, and and I think that exactly. had he apologized, had he apologized, that what you just said would have been said. Oh well, they made him. They made him apologize. This is it from his heart. So who? Can, there was there was nothing to help him. He went out 
on an island and he drowned. There was nothing you could do to save him. You couldn't get out there fast enough. The clip had already been shared. That's how he felt. And then, and then he doubled down and, and started, uh, you know, throwing shade at, at fans on Twitter and, and, and interact with fans negatively on Twitter. So there was nothing the Rays could have done. They played it perfectly because by the by March first, or actually the report date's like what uh, February fourteenth. So by February fourteenth, this is going to be over. Like, no one's going to talk about this anymore. We just haven't had yeah, a show since think, that happened, and I th- yeah. I wanted to bring it up, but yeah, it's going to be under the bridge by by, yeah. by report date. And one thing I even said on Twitter, I think I said, let me find it, just to the effect of Tommy Pham has a history of doing this, and if you didn't expect him coming from St. Louis to here and playing in front of 25,000 less fans a game, if you didn't expect attendance to come up at some point, I don't know exactly what you were expecting. Because it was obviously going to come up. It was just a matter of when or something to that to that effect. So. Yeah, I mean, he's an honest guy, and, and, and it's gotten him in trouble in St. Louis, and it's gotten, it's gotten us Tommy Pham here in Tampa Bay because uh, of the way that the front office handled his contract and the way he was outspoken about it. Uh, but, yeah, again, he could have handled it way better. There's no reason to hate him. There's no reason to boo no, him. There's no reason to you know, have any ill will towards him. But it was stupid, and we and we can all agree that that was, that there was just a no win situation. Uh, but yes, the the race front office handled that perfectly because any sort of involvement on on their end would have just ended in okay. Well, you're 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 making him apologize. It's kind of like uh, Baker Mayfield when he grabbed his crotch against Kansas and started screaming at Kansas, and then he got suspended for a half for a series of football and had to give it a, a a heartfelt apology. Everyone knew he was forced to do that, so it didn't matter. Like no one forgave him if they were mad at him because it was a forced apology. So it's better to not apologize than to have a forced apology. Absolutely. Real quick, the last thing we're going to do is a quick game. We're going to give our predictions since nothing's happened yet uh, in terms of big free agency. We're going to give our predictions on where Bryce Harper and Manny Machado will sign. You can start, Austin. What do you think? Uh, for Bryce Harper, I would put my money on. Los Angeles. I don't think they move Kemp or Puig, um, if they or would even if they don't. Even the prospects too. I don't think they move him unless they have intentions on signing Bryce Harper. I think he fits well there, uh, next to Bellinger and whatnot. And it's a big stage for him. Um, I also read, actually pretty recently, that there's also momentum with him and Washington. So that'll be something to watch. But I yeah, that came out this afternoon that Washington and him are kind of uh, in the mixy end. After it looked like there was no way in in the world he'd be back in Washington, mm-hmm. but uh, I think he he grew up in Nevada, so if he moves out west, it'll be closer to his home. So I don't know. I think it's a good fit for him. We'll see. Are you, you ruling out the Cubs with the with the Chris Bryant effect and everything? They have so much money to move for him to sign with the Cubs. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I, mean, I actually think as weird as it sounds, just, I actually think as weird as it sounds, it's going to be. It will do more harm than good for the Cubs to get Bryce Harper because of how much you have to work contracts and mm-hmm. and give up so much. You know, to to yeah. to offload Hayward's contract, you're going to have to give someone some incentive to take on that contract. Yeah, so you therefore, you're losing. All. Yeah, you're losing prospects on top of losing money. I mean, and then you got to start paying your own you guys from within. Him. You'd have to move Zobrist. Yeah, probably have to find a way to move Chatwood. It's just it's just not worth it in the yeah. long run. Yeah, that's weird to say for for a MVP level guy, but it's the truth. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, for Harper, I think that you're right. I think that the Dodgers don't make that move with the Reds, literally just giving away two quality outfielders uh, and everything else that they did with the Reds to 
to not get Bryce Harper. <laughs> and I think that right now they're kind of playing coy with each other, but in the end, it's going to work out. <laughs> He's going to be in LA. Uh, who do you got for me, Machado? What do you think about it? Uh, so, I think I... I think he's still a good fit in Philly. I don't see him going to the White Sox. They won't offer him. I think I read more than seven years, and I don't think he's going to settle for seven years unless that's the only offers that he gets. Uh, I think Philly needs to spend stupid money to satisfy their fan base. Um, so, yeah, I'd probably put my money on Philadelphia. What about you? You're absolutely correct because going into this, there was there was an opinion out there where both of them would be in Philly. And then the front office didn't cool that off at all by saying that they're going to spend stupid money. And I feel like they've been positioning themselves both outwardly and internally to have all these young pieces together under control and not having any contracts on the books to get at least one of them. And I feel like you cannot say to your fans in November, at the end of October, early November, that you're going to spend stupid money and then roll out the balls in spring training and only have Andrew McCutcheon. Yeah, and an old and Andrew McCutcheon. Has, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. Like, I think that you have to get one of these guys, and I feel like it'd just be too strange to just not get either of them after they both seemingly were at the top of your list, and 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 you were at least in their top five or so. I'd say. I mean, uh, of both mm-hmm. of these guys, oh, yeah, to not absolutely. get either one of them, that that'd be mm-hmm. ridiculous. Uh, and then, of course, going back, tying this all back into the Rays. JT Realmuto's is, you know, rumored to be traded this offseason, and it's, it's really come down to the Braves and the Rays. Do you think he's going to be in a Rays uniform? So, the issue with this is that if it becomes out, if it comes down to a bidding war with the Braves, the Braves, we have tons of prospect capital, but the Braves have just as much and more prospect capital than we do. And if it comes down to a bidding war, I think the Rays will bow out and, uh, they will settle with Perez and Zanino. Um, if if the Braves decide to change course and maybe go after Grand Dollar or something, then I could totally, totally see JT Remilto ending up in a Rays uniform. You know, they've already offered Jesus Sanchez and Goldschmidt trade talks, um, so they're willing to trade Sanchez. They have tons of pitching capital too that they could trade to the Marlins, young controllable pitching. So I think you could definitely. I would be surprised if he's not in a Rays uniform, as long as it's not, it doesn't become a bidding war. Um, if, it comes a, if it becomes a bidding war, then I think he'll probably be in Atlanta. I mean, what, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I, I think that it, it really is going to be contingent on how hungry are the Braves front office. And based on their moves, it looks like they're pretty, they're pretty hungry for this to happen right away. And mm-hmm. if they're ready to go for it and push all in with Donaldson and all in with JT and all in with that young core – I think he's brave. The, the Braves control this. If the Braves don't want him anymore, if they say, okay, the Marlins are asking for too much, we're out, he's a Ray. But if the Braves want him, Absolutely. they got him. And mm-hmm. I, I think that that's what the Rays are kind of waiting on. We all, we've both talked about mm-hmm. on the site, on Twitter, everywhere, that, that Jose Ramirez would be a great addition. And I think everyone within that front office knows he'd be a great addition. But I don't think you have both of them. And we were talking yeah, about this no earlier. Yeah. Both of them. If you yeah. Have, yeah if- if you have JT, you don't need Jose Martinez. And if you have Jose, sure, you could still add JT, but I think you're okay. But I think, yeah, so like I think you said earlier, if, if we don't trade for JT, I think Jose Martinez will definitely be a Ray by the end of the offseason. But if we trade for JT, and I think he, obviously he's the uh, prized possession of this offseason for the Rays, if we can get him, then there's, I don't think you'll see a Jose Martinez trade as well. 
because JT can fill in at first if he needs to. He can DH on an off day, so I yeah, don't think yeah. you need to trade for Martinez if you get really into. I think that the the Rays are just waiting out for the better player. I mean, I don't think that the Cardinals are, are in a dire need to trade Jose Martinez. I think that the the market for Jose Martinez is really just the Rays. It's either the Rays or St. Louis, and so I think yeah. that the Rays know that, and they're just holding out for JT. And and I think once JT's market's figured out, whether it be pulled off the trading block from the Marlins, which I, which I don't see happening, or it be in Atlanta. After that happens, then we'll see Jose to Tampa Bay. And if we see JT to Tampa Bay, I I don't think that they'd get Jose, like you said, but being greedy, if they did get both of those guys... Yeah, it can't hurt. I mean, if the, if the price isn't too high, then it can't hurt to add him. But if the price becomes too high after you send whoever it may be to Miami, then I don't know if they'll be able to stomach that. We'll see. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. And so... We will see, and it's going to be fun to track this off season uh, for for the rest of rest of this period. Actually, we only have what a, a little bit over a month before spring training comes. Yeah, I think about 35, 36 days. I know the Rays pitchers and catchers usually report early, so we're counting down the days. So we will see. Yeah, we will see for sure. It's going to be fun. We're going to have another episode for you guys next week, uh, talking about anything that happens now and, and in between now and then for the Rays. Uh, as well as keep checking out the website, Raise Colored Glasses. Keep checking us out on Twitter. Austin, what's your Twitter handle? Raise Ryman, just capital Raise and then capital R-E-I-M-A-N-N, at Raise Ryman. And then for me, you can find me on Twitter at Ryland underscore Styles. That's at R-Y-L-A-N underscore S-T-I-L-E-S. Austin, any last words? Uh, no, just keep your eye out, uh, Raise Colored Glasses. I think we're going to start breaking down uh, prospects pretty soon. Um, that's about it for mine. My takes. What about you? It's going to be a fun time to break down the prospects heading into spring training because you might be able to see a few of those guys up with the with the uh, big league club there as we uh, make the trek down spring training, which always seems to drag on and drag on despite opening day keep getting moved up. It seems like spring training always goes on for too long. But uh, everyone's ready for baseball to start. Uh, really, just just stay with us at racecoloredglasses.com and also right here on the Race Colored Podcast and also, of course, on Twitter. And, uh, you know, we hope to see you guys back next week. As always, leave us reviews on the show, what you liked, what you didn't like on Twitter and what on whatever platform, what you want to hear and on whatever platform you're listening to this on. Leave it in the comment section. Leave it to us on Twitter. We want to improve. We want to make the best show possible for you guys. We appreciate you listening. For Austin, I'm Ryland. Be good and be good to one another. This has been the Race Colored Podcast. <laughs>